Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 481 of the JV Club with my boy of summer, Abe Foreman Greenwald. He is a dear, dear, one of my closest friends and uh, also works on the beloved show Big Mouth on Netflix. He is just a delight and um, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I feel like you will. I don't know why I got into ASMR stuff going on right there, but uh, I hope everyone's doing well. For any of you who I got a chance to meet at C2E2 in Chicago uh, a little over a week ago, what an amazing and beautiful and wonderful time I had. I got to tell you, doing live events where I get to interact with folks is maybe my favorite thing in the world. Um, it's just, it just gives me so much hope and makes me feel so much better about the things in the world that feel very, very hard indeed right now to so many of us. And, uh, so I just cherish those, those exchanges and, um, boy, I hope to have just more, uh, until the day I drop dead, whatever that is. So, uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to meet even more of you in person at one thing or another up to and including SF Sketchfest. Uh, hopefully that's going ahead. The definitely looks like it's going to in January. Um, that's it. I want you to listen to this episode and uh, feel the love between Abe and me. I'll talk to you next week. Yes, this is very fun. I'm so excited to have one of my dearest friends on the podcast. Um, and Abe, you and I met uh, at the Huffington Post, which is just a weird thing to even hear myself say still after all these years, uh, because as listeners of the podcast know, I somehow like got coaxed into taking a job that I had no business doing, but was um, in some ways very fun, in some ways the most stressful thing I've ever tried <laughs> to do, um, like almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy. Um, and, uh, and Abe and I met and you already had, you, you knew who I was possibly because of the podcast, but for sure for burning love. Is that what, is that what it was? I, I can't remember. I know I'm trying to remember back then, but yeah, I think yes. Burning love was definitely going strong at the time. And I was a fan, a fan of yours from that. And then, yeah. And the podcast as well. Oh, you were wonderful. And we really gravitated towards each other far above and beyond that because we both were interested in telling kind of the same sort of story and were like significantly less interested in like hot breaking news items than some of our colleagues who really did come from like a straight journalism like our executive producer had worked on what good morning america Mm -hmm. and like stuff like that forever. And so it was a very interesting experiment. And it was really fun to meet so many different people from so many different backgrounds, including like hardcore, you know, ambitious newscaster journalist types. Um, but I can't remember how you ended up there. Will you t- will you remind me? That's a great question. I think uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember too. I definitely had a very weird interview process. I remember that of like a group interview at that mm-hmm. AOL building where we mm-hmm. where we were working mm-hmm. upstairs with I don't know like four or five people. I don't remember how I heard about it, but I found myself in a group interview where you're like trying to compete with oh, other people no. in the same room. That's so weird. It was a bad start to it. Who does that? I know, it was really crazy. And I don't think I ever did have an individual one. I think that was part of the whole like we're starting this up 
you know, in a month and we just got to get people yeah. in and get going. And <laughs> and they did. But yeah, we were like kind of on the forefront of a yeah. lot of things that took off afterwards. The For sure. A big one was, uh, you know, before Zoom, but doing these Google Hangouts, which was like a huge part of our HuffPost Live thing of bringing all our guests in on Google Hangout and doing, you know, yeah. setting up all the stuff, stuff that 10 years later has become far too familiar to all of us. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. That really is weird. I mean, there, I think there was that sort of happened to me when we started Zooming uh, a couple years ago. I was like, this feels extremely familiar and only because I spent so much time in Hangout and Google Hangouts uh, at HuffPo. Have you had any Zoom things, Janet, where um, you're talking? I've I've had a few for work where, you know, someone's not on screen and maybe you don't realize that they're there. An awful social faux pas of talking about someone not (gasps) knowing that they can hear you, which did happen. (laughs) It did happen at HuffPost Live, I remember. We were (laughs) like prepping one of the interviews and... Me and one of the associate producers were talking and she was like, oh, yeah, the, you know, getting me ready for who the person was. Oh, this woman's oh, so crazy, no. like going oh, on. Oh, no. <laughs> and then uh, oh, no. not surprisingly, she once she came uh-huh. on and we realized she was there, she said, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and we lost That's that That's the least person. crazy thing she may have done. <laughs> yeah. oh. oh, my God. Well. Yeah. And then also what happened weirdly while I was there was um, I got I like flipped my bike on a pothole because I would ride my bike to work every day. And so Abe was the person who came. Well, it wasn't even that I had to no, That was a different one. That was the one where I just got there and I was hurt, but like didn't go to the emergency room. And then I didn't learn my lesson from that because why should you? be a stubborn cyclist. That's the only way you're going to continue cycling in a city, uh, which is why I've mostly stopped. Um, and yeah, that, then I had like a serious <laughs> bike accident where I like ended up hitting a wall, tried to get out of the way of a bus and like chip my teeth and stuff. And so Abe took me to the um, Cedars emergency room, which was conveniently right around the corner from where we worked, had to like put my bike in the back of his car. And that's trauma bonding right there. Like I, I, whatever you need, I will totally help. And then you had a bike accident not too long ago. That was a scary day. I remember, Janet, when you had your bike accident. I remember, I mean, getting the call, but also, yeah, it was just, that was really, really rough. And it was weird. Yeah, just a scary. And then I had PTS afterwards. That was, that was tough. Um, Yeah. But I will say on the positive side, you definitely. inspired me to do more biking in LA. Um, I you didn't, took over. You took over. Yeah, post, I took I, think, I took that I baton and, and kept going. Uh-huh. But yes, I did. <laughs> Last year, I was mountain biking with my cousins in Bend, Oregon. Um, they're all a lot more outdoorsy than I am, including my cousin's children who were, uh-huh. you know, far more experienced than me uh-huh. at mountain biking and made it look easy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but I realized it's a totally different skill than road biking. And yeah. I was not equipped for it and ended up, uh, yeah, having a kind of scary accident of breaking my collarbone. And oh, I was God. like unconscious on the side of the trail. Oh, my cousins God. were ahead of me. So some strangers found me and oh, asked if I knew what day it was. And 
my stomach sank because I did not know what day it was. <gasps> oh. I was really out of it. But, yeah. um, you know, recovered from that and got yeah. back out on the bike. And I, I love that Griffith Park uh, loop yeah, that you showed a, me. It's great. Ride. And then I do like that's LA River ride. ride a lot. And yeah. Yeah. Ugh, my little my cyclist my cyclist buddy um did you were you a kid who biked everywhere like when you were growing up were you because we're definitely of the generation which by the way I had a great conversation with my friend's teenage son who was like I am so tired of adults talking about how they rode their bikes everywhere and no one knew where they were he's like that's also how I grew up like we also rode our bikes everywhere and knew what no one knew where we were guys don't worry stranger things is alive and well like it is absolutely relatable to us because we still do it and I was like okay that actually does make me feel better that's fun but I feel like that's a trope that gets that gets brought up a lot by like you know our our aged people being like oh yeah you know we had a lot of freedom for better or for worse growing up it's like no plenty of kids have that exact same life they might have a cell phone with them and that's different but not that different you know yeah i think i learned to ride a bike in the cemetery in my hometown i grew up in, in this little town in pennsylvania called carversville and yeah my dad taught me how to ride my huffy bike in the cemetery Ooh, um, you started out with a huffy that's pretty i hip. think so yeah it, it probably looked ex- i had like a pink schwinn <laughs> it probably looked exactly like one of the stranger things bikes um yeah but yeah i would bike not really to friends houses that much because they were a little too far to bike mm. to but um definitely around Is my it- little town a lot was the town pretty rural yeah it was maybe 200 people and it was a uh-huh. it was a historic Is that village even a town? <laughs> no 200 people feels like yeah that's like a community a yeah small community yeah definitely no traffic lights in carversville um and it, it's really cool looking because it was a historic village so all the houses look the same as they did in the 1800s you have to apply for a license to like make any change to your house so yeah. Yeah, it was like growing up in another era. Did you have an awareness of that in a way that was fun then? Or was that something that you sort of came to appreciate later? It was fun for Halloween, for sure. There were like yeah, a couple like cool, weird artists in town who would really do up the spooky haunted house thing for Halloween. And yeah. I loved I loved trick-or-treating there. Um, oh. But yeah, I definitely appreciate it more now going back. Um, partly just because I've lived in cities for decades. So being in a place that's that quiet and beautiful. Yeah, it's just super relaxing whenever I'm back there, which is not often because my parents live in Philadelphia now, which is not as quiet and relaxing. Yeah. Do you just go up there like, and do you go up there and stay? Or is it like, we drove up to the old Carversville town and drove around and enjoyed it and then drove back? It's that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't really stayed aside from one... Yeah, no, I haven't haven't stayed there at all. Actually, my childhood house that I grew up in, we all went to visit a few years ago. We just kind of drove by and looked like people were there. So we stopped yeah. in and it was such a weird experience because they had transformed it. This couple from Philadelphia it was their weekend house. They transformed uh-huh. it into like almost like a small like art museum, it looked like. So oh, it was wow. totally different and cool sculptures and the art. Yeah, it was great. Um, but also strange like this was a lot nicer than (laughs) than our house growing up yeah the matter out of 
place kind of experience where it's a thing that you have such strong memories of and it's just enough like what it looked like that it's it's this sort of weird like alternate universe experience of being like oh i i'm trying to layer the blueprint of my own experience on this and i can but it's kind of eerie in a way yes that it's because it's so different yeah and emotional too because yeah i lived there till till i went off to college so to be back and see it and yeah it really was um it was uh kind of a idyllic uh place to grow up where was your like where were your schools were they did you go to elementary school nearby and then did you have to go even further for high school you know what i mean in terms of like small communities and then what everything feeds into yeah um my school was pretty close but i took the bus every day got made fun of a lot on the bus because my best friend uh, was a girl in elementary school, which yeah. in the eighties, you know, not not <laughs> it's okay. Just not done. <laughs> um, so there How was all wild. kinds of like kids cool. making fun of Shelby for getting off the bus at my house sometimes to oh. hang out after school. Um, but yeah, it was probably about a I don't know fifteen minute bus ride to the elementary school, and then because it was a smaller community, it's changed since then. But at the time the high school was a junior senior high school. So it was seventh to 12th grade. Okay. So I entered the high school basically in seventh grade, tiny. I was like (laughs) really, really small. Um, So it was very intimidating of like being this little child amongst hulking seniors. (laughs) That is, I mean, that is the difference. But like, I understand yeah, because sometimes people do the seven eight nine thing, right? Like seven eight nine right. is middle school because many freshmen are sort of closer to the the like development era of seven and eight, and then by ten, I mean, isn't that kind of the thinking? And it is like, listen, let's keep the fresh like that. Seven eight and nine they work well together. Yeah, not ten eleven twelve. Then then the freshmen don't feel so like small, and then to be a seventh grader and be like, oh, that, there's a senior. It really <laughs> that's intimidating. It, did. it scared me, um, <laughs> but I did. Uh, was it seventh grade? Yeah, I think seventh or eighth grade. Um, I did musicals, of course. Uh, in the, you know the school plays and played Peter Pan. You have to play the oh ooh as a seventh grader. I think that was seventh grade. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. So were people, I wonder if the older kids were jealous. I think. Well, I took over for um, the woman who was Peter Pan. I was Michael first, and then the woman who was Peter Pan uh... had some sort of injury. I think she that you caused because yep. <laughs> you wanted to take over. Yes, yep. understood. Yeah, uh, I Tanya Hardinged her, uh-huh. um, <laughs> and so yeah, I stepped I stepped into the role, and uh, that was so I did hang out with a lot of the older kids because of that of like yeah. doing the plays, and they were a lot less intimidating the musical theater kids than oh heck yeah than the other scary seniors. Um, I'm telling you. Go to that theater department somewhere or even a community theater or wherever. And it's definitely like the age thing is significantly less significant, you know? It's true. It's like it's kind of true across the board in in, in performing in theater. I love that. Yeah. And also like you're a fairly soft-spoken person. So um, it's so fun to imagine you like having the energy and buoyance 
of Peter Pan. Did you guys have wires? Like, you didn't get, it wasn't like the fiasco Peter Pan from This American Life, which is one of my favorite stories you've ever done, is it? Where, it like, was not. Getting flung to and fro. It was not wires. far from that, Janet. I think, oh, their, I think their wire yeah, system was more sophisticated than ours. <laughs> In my memory, it was someone's like garage door track <laughs> with just a, you know, a rope from that and I did fall in a rehearsal and broke my braces (laughs) so I fell face first onto the stage (laughs) and had to go to the orthodontist just as good as that story (laughs) oh no wait so when you break your how do you break your? you didn't break your teeth the actual just yeah a brace was like a bracket or whatever exactly one of those was bent (laughs) bent out of shape and like I'm sure gnawing into my top lip <laughs> i'm sorry that i'm laughing so hard i'm clapping but it's just such a good kid story i would have to be able to say i broke my braces playing peter pan when i was dropped from a rope yes like very satisfying yeah yeah and i'm sure very funny to watch from the oh. audience and then i know people did start laughing on the first performance day because this was such an unsophisticated flying rig. <laughs> um, I think my mom described it as like, you know, the the rope would like pull the top of my costume up. <laughs> so she said it looked like when she would like pick up the cat and the cat's yeah. legs would just dangle. That was me being dragged across the stage. That's so, so satisfying. I also remember that... It's so ambitious to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's... Oh, it, like, don't do it right. then, maybe. <laughs> But then you'd, but then unfortunately, all all the people who get to watch it would be, you know, they would be deprived of that comedy. Yes, I think that was probably the biggest laugh in the show. And then also, Mrs. Anderson, the director, I remember, put the fear of God into us about the laser that was playing Tinkerbell because she said, if you look directly into this laser, it will burn your eyes. <laughs> So I had to do a lot of shielding my eyes from Tinkerbell whenever the laser would pop on stage. So yeah, it was a it was its own fiasco. Yeah. Does that does that peak in terms of like comedy of errors experience doing a play? Like I don't know how you have more go wrong yeah. than with in, in with something like that. It was like, it, it was pretty crazy. And then just what a week or two ago um, out of the blue, I got an email from uh, Lori, who had played Wendy in that Peter Pan, Aww. and she had reconnected with another friend. She went to see his show recently, and um, she still lives in Pennsylvania and was coming out here for a family vacation. So oh, nice. went and met her and her oh, daughter cool. at the Grove and reminisced about That's our Peter Pan great. days. It was it was fun. Oh my gosh, I yeah. love that. And wait, so. Back up to she was going to see another friend oh, who yeah. was in Peter Pan. She was going to see him in a show, so he's still actively performing. Yes, he's a, he was a good friend of mine growing up, who I'm so proud of. Um, he created this show called Freestyle Love Supreme, which is yeah. the only improvised show I think ever on Broadway, which is yeah. pretty amazing. Um, so he was yeah. the MC of that. My friend Anthony Venziel. And he yeah, and I, Anthony is wonderful. He and I were really close growing up. And uh, for those of you who, for some reason, maybe haven't heard of Freestyle of Supreme, that's also something that Manuel Miranda is a part of. And so that's that you can enjoy that credibility as well, because I feel like everyone in that group is at the Lynn talent level. I mean, it's just a phenomenal group. It's so great. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So my um, my musical theater lineage from my schools is 
was, I mean, I didn't, I don't think I thought about it at the time. First of all, I'm a little older than Lin-Manuel. So that was not a thing in college uh-huh. where we went yeah. to the same college. But at that point, I wasn't performing anymore. But the high school that I ended up going to after this seventh to twelfth grade, I did, I went to a private Quaker school for high school, oh, ninth okay. to twelfth grade. And that was. Okay. So you did seven and eight and then you were like, peace, then I was I'm out. Going over to Quaker yeah. School. We can get, okay. we can get into the, some of the trauma surrounding that decision if you want. Please. But, um, but at George School, where I went to high school, that was the school that Stephen Sondheim went to. So yeah. a pretty good musical theater pedigree of I both would, my yes, I would hope. high school and college. Um, should I dive right into the trauma, Janet? I, Are we I mean, ready? I, I would. I mean, you if you're going to dangle that out there, <laughs> you know I'm going to jump on it right away. I don't know if I've... I feel like I've talked to you about this story before, not on a podcast, um, but... I guess it was eighth grade. Um, there was, it was a very white, homogenous community that I was in. Um, I'm Jewish. And for some reason, like one day, it felt like all the, not all, a small group of kids at school decided that they would start making fun of me for being, you know, any, any difference kids right. can pounce on that. So yeah. it was, uh, yeah, like I'm sure anti-Semitism that they had learned from their families and someone like stopped me in the hall and said, Hey, Jew boy. And then kind of like organized some other kids to like start throwing pennies at me on a bus on a yeah. field trip. And pretty bad like it's it's definitely was a formative experience in a in a rough way um and I thought about staying at the school because I did have friends there but went to visit this Quaker school um there's a lot of Quaker schools in Pennsylvania um that you know just the whole ethos felt like it would be a more a kinder place for me to go to school where stuff like that wouldn't happen um and I toured it and it was this beautiful campus that felt like a college campus. And, um, and I loved, I loved my George school experience. So it all, it all ended up fine. Um, I, I really liked my high school, but yes, that, that eighth grade experience was rough. I mean, so I know you said it was homogenous, but what was it like, were there other Jewish kids there? They just singled you out or genuinely was like, you can't think of another Jewish kid. There was, was Jamie also, um, maybe one, one or two other oh Jews in the school. And like really probably one or two African-Americans in the entire school and yeah. like That's three Asian-Americans or something. So super, yeah. super yeah. white. And yeah, I mean just yeah like noticed this difference and just made me feel terrible and oh it's awful I mean that feeling of being bullied is so specific and it's so visceral and still you know if I really when I think about times like when I was bullied um I kind of get that same feeling like it it conjures up the feeling uh of dread and just sadness Mm -hmm. and loneliness um, I wish I could say there was more anger, like it would have been great if I would have been angrier about it. Um, and I think there was, I mean, I think there definitely was some like unchecked anger that I sort of stuffed down. But um, 
but it's such a strong feeling. Do you do you feel like can you access that if you think about it? Yeah, more like I remember like definitely my kind of heart rate getting elevated. Yeah, I think the same. I didn't yeah. I don't remember feeling the anger so much as like I'm in danger. And yeah. like I have to, you know, lean Ugh. on my friends so here to like happened. help protect me and then yeah, um just yeah, being being scared and wanting to yeah. be out of that situation as as yeah. quickly as I could. So uh, yeah, I, did it? Did they sort of imply? Did they sort of make it seem like, and this is going to get worse, buddy? Like we're going to beat the shit out of you, or was it just the the feeling of like being attacked in one kind of way is just as scary and awful as like getting kicked in the stomach? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it felt like it could come yeah. back at any time and the school didn't yeah. seem to care too much about doing anything Gross. about it um Gross. yeah i feel like now they would i think times have changed enough that uh, yeah this would not be just swept under the rug today yeah um but yeah what if they were like hey we wanted to bring you in we're so sorry this is happening have you considered not being jewish <laughs> that, it was i mean it really was like kind of pervasive in even in elementary school I had this music teacher who like people really would go out of their way to like find these anti-semitic things this this music teacher was uh we had to do recorders in third grade everyone had to buy recorders and I remember like one day we had all our first of all he taught us severely problematic songs <laughs> not surprisingly in our uh in our elementary school <laughs> music class but this this recorder incident was like i don't i mean who knows how it came up he just obviously had this like ready to go for me in the class where he said well we got the recorders from israel this year and they weren't as good as the ones we usually get we'll have to do something about that won't we abe <laughs> Like, <laughs> and then a bunch of like third graders looking at me like first of all what's israel <laughs> like what is this guy talking <laughs> about so crazy okay we're gonna take a break i will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at maximum fun hi everyone i'm adam mcleod and i'm alexis b preston And we host a show called Comfort Creatures, the show for every animal lover, be it a creature of scales, six legs, fur, feathers, or fiction. Comfort Creatures is a show for people who prefer their friends to have paws instead of hands. Unless they are raccoon hands, that is okay. That is absolutely okay, yeah. Yes. Every Thursday, we will be talking to guests about their pets, learning about pets in history, art, and even fiction. Plus, we'll discover differences between pet ownership across the pond. It's gonna be a hoot, on Maximum Fund. There are many of us who kind of have an experience like this where, you know, we are very naive to certain types of uh, of racism and of classism and of ageism and all that kind of stuff. But there's such a robust Jewish community in Tucson that I I absolutely had a horrified awareness of what happened in Nazi Germany. Like, the Holocaust was my living nightmare. Like, I was afraid to ever see a movie about it. I was, a, you know, I had, like, friends whose grandparents had been, had lived through it. And it was, it was like, 
you know, it was like, I thought of it at the same level as like a nightmare or horror movie. Like, this is the worst thing I could possibly imagine. It's mm-hmm. so awful. I can't even, I can't go there. Um, and, and I would have nightmares about it and stuff. That being said, there, I, I experienced seeing, and, you know, I could ask some of my Jewish friends now and say like, did you ever, you know, like experience anybody being weird? But like, I just, all of my friends were Jewish or Hispanic you know, or so there just wasn't I had no sense that that was still happening in any kind of real way. Like, I really, really, really didn't. And it it would have shocked me to my core because being Jewish was cool. You know what I mean? Where I lived, the coolest kids were Jews. They truly were. Like, that's, you know what I mean? Everyone I ever had a crush on, male or female, I think they were all Jewish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, and I wanted to be part of that community and I loved their JCC. And so that is, like, it is really one of those things where you're like, it, ta- it takes a minute to process as you get older that that's still a problem right. and is still a problem today. You know, it's just stunning to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the when I think about like how it shaped me and stuff, a, like I said, I'm, I'm happy that it led to me going to this high school that I loved. Yeah. And then also I think, um, I think I've always kind of naturally been kind of a, a advocate for underdogs and marginalized. Yeah. People. I was going to say, I, uh, if you're going to try to tell me that like <laughs> what happened to you made you more compassionate, I, I feel like I might have to push back and say like, I'm not sure that you wouldn't have been the exact same level of compassionate and empathetic because that's just sort of in your that's baked into you, I think. Yeah, but. yeah, I think that's that's from my mom a lot. My mom, my yeah. mom and dad, but yeah, my mom especially, who you've met. Yeah, you met my mom. I know too. she's so cool. Yeah, she's so cool. Yeah, uh, how's she doing? She's doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I got to surprise her for her seventy fifth birthday in Philly. Yes. I went, flew back there, and she was very surprised so and good. appreciated that I came there to oh i love that to see her for her birthday yeah yeah she came i mean we met her pre-pandemic and had you know and and loved talking to her about the sort of um having a relationship to the idea of dying in a way that is not you know fearful and is not something that you put away for a different day like oh i'm not gonna think about that right now um and 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 it really it was interesting timing in that you know not too terribly far into the future we were all kind of confronted with our own mortality like globally in a way that was um you know earth shaking yeah and and made me think a lot about you know that conversation and kind of how your what your mom's relationship has been like with that and talking about it with other people and i just i have so much admiration and respect for her yeah yeah she's great i'm lucky to lucky to be her son yeah she has these um death death cafes that she's done with some friends and people that she didn't know prior to that i think where they get together and discuss these issues and Great. And Abe is part of my salon, which I'm sure I've talked about uh, a handful of times on the podcast. Or maybe I haven't talked about that much. To be honest with you, I'm not even that sure um, how much I've said about it. But we have our monthly discussion group with a bunch of friends um, who became friends uh, through doing salon together because we did try to sort of have people from different parts of um, our lives that... um, 
kind of came in and it really became like this wonderful therapy and this way to kind of be yourself in this context that isn't necessarily the exact same context as everyone's like regular daily life. But um, but like what a deep and abiding love. And it had been going on for a couple of years when I met you and um, I was I like immediately like I was like, if there's an opening, <laughs> we try to keep it 10 or lower number of people but if that's an another opening, person i, I took out perfect like person. that peter pan you did yeah tanya, Har- I, I, tanya harding right. another ben person did shatter his femur <laughs> and he couldn't remember what happened There's a pattern, Fascinating. A pattern here <laughs> and what happened on your bike was just someone getting revenge mm-hmm. on you someone tinkered with that particular yep. bike yep. you were on that mountain bike um she had waited yeah. since the late 80s that peter pan <laughs> and she was like now i'm ready um, but no, uh, in all seriousness, Salon is one of my favorite things in my life. And I'm so grateful that you did invite me to join. And I love our group so much and always yes. look forward to seeing everybody. And it's just the best. I got to send, I'll send it out an email because it's, you know, now we're sort of, everybody's kind of seeing each other in person more and has been. But we I really fell out of practice during the pandemic for any number of reasons. Um so yeah, we'll have to, and then we, and people, you know, one of our, one of us moved to England. So we were actually trying to do more online and not in person also so that she could be a part of it. Cause she was, you know, missing, missing it and feeling like she needed that connection and, you know, was having a, a kind of a rough experience, um, being in winter in the middle of a place she'd never lived before and winter darkness weather and, um, <laughs> And it was really nice to to be able to stay connected. But um, yeah, it's it's a really it's a really really fun group. Did you have like when you moved from the high school when you when you finished eighth grade into uh, was it did you you waited out the year? Yeah, yeah. I think Even there was, that a, was happening. I think my parents said you know if you want to leave now, there's this other school that was um, a Quaker school that was like a lower school that I could do that. And I felt. Yeah. I guess at the time, like, no, I want to see this through and then I'll, I'll go, I'll go for ninth grade. Yeah. And did you hold on to some of those friends, just not going to the same school as them, but staying friends? And, and then as you kind of integrated into the new school, was that a school that everyone came into at once for ninth grade so that you weren't the only new kid? That's nice. Yeah, that was good. Everybody was starting off. Yeah, that was good. So yeah, I do have, I have good friends that stayed at that, um, at the public school, uh, my friend Anthony, who we talked about, um, who I ended up going to college with, and then also again, who we talked about, my friend Shelby, the yeah, the friend who everybody made Shelby. fun of me for being friends with a girl. She stayed there, and then also we reunited in at college, which is strange because I, like I said, I came from this kind of somewhat rural area, but yeah, three of us ended up going to college together. And that wasn't like you weren't discussing possibly going to a school and she was thinking about the same. You know what I mean? Was it more well, like, her, oh, my gosh, you, you're you going there? Her dad had gone there. So okay. it wasn't super surprising. Um, and I went because my cousin had gone and I went to her graduation when I was a kid. And it was like this ideal in my head of like, this is what college is like. And I knew it was a sure. liberal arts school with a good film program, which is what I wanted yeah. to do. So. Oh, and what school was it? Just so oh, this was uh, like, Wesleyan in it. Connecticut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sounds so picturesque, especially for a West Coaster slash desert rat. Like that really conjures up ideas of you know beautiful like ivied campuses. It's yeah, it's pretty um, nice. 
Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. And what was your group of friends like as you kind of, like when you started fresh as a freshman in at the Quaker school, was that a pretty small school? It was bigger than my public school, actually. Oh, okay. Um, all right. And yeah, felt really different because there were kids from all over. So it was half um, boarding school and half day students. So oh, I was a okay. day student. I would, once I got my license, would drive like 35 40 minutes or something there every day. Um, But yeah. Did you take a bus there before you started driving? Yeah, I think I took a bus. Yep. Um, But yeah, it just, uh, yeah, like made friends with people from New York. And um, I think one of my friends also had left the same school. One of my other good friends from childhood also left the school where we had troubles and uh yeah. and wound up there um so i did have a friend with me going in which was nice um yeah. and i remember like him being bullied bullied once there and like with my experience like i remember still being quite small at this time in uh-huh. ninth grade <laughs> um like jumping on the back of this very tall kid and I don't think I hit him, but like yelling at him in, you know, protecting my friend who he was being mean to. Good for you. Oh my gosh. This is all, that's so sweet and cute. I really have a self appointed uh, bully police there. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) As you're like, I know I can fly (laughs) any second now. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to feel my clothes lift up first. Yep. And then I'll be right on this guy's back. It's going to be great. Yep. Maybe I could eagle talon him away from my friend. Exactly. Um, what is the Shaker approach to education? I feel like I know, uh, I now know quite a bit about, you know, like private Catholic school and Jesuit versus oh, something yeah. other else, more traditional. Like, what is there, what is the Shaker approach like? Would you know you were at a Shaker school? Oh, uh, at Quaker you know school. I mean? Yeah. It was. Oh, Quaker um, school. Why did I think you said Shaker? It's pretty, I mean, sounds very similar. I'm, and also, isn't the shaker style like something that Quakers make? Yeah. Like I, a shaker style I, chair? I don't know what they're... Yeah, there must have been some crossover there at some point. But okay. education-wise, it's... Well, they're they're not called Quaker schools. They're called friends schools. So okay, that right there is like, you yeah. know you're stepping into a good, yeah. a good scene. <laughs> it's a friends school. That's so sweet. Um, so my favorite thing that they had was meeting for worship every every week i think um mm-hmm. where the religion is basically it's much it's less hierarchical so the minister or officiant would um kind of introduce a quaker meeting but the idea is everybody sits there in silence and then if the spirit right. moves you to speak you would stand yeah. up and say something um yeah so every now and then someone would stand up and say what's on their mind or what the spirit huh. moved them to say. Um, yeah. I don't think I ever stood up the whole four years I was there, but it was almost, you know, meditative. So I loved that sure. of like sitting in silence. Yeah. It was pretty great. Appreciate so we were that. in this like old brick meeting house on campus and um, yeah, getting a chance, I think, especially at that age to just like calm down and <laughs> sit there and be quiet. Sure. And yeah, it felt, it felt good. I feel like other high schools should, try that out no kidding how was that all school at once or were you or were there staggered i know i'm getting in the weeds but i'm fascinated i think it was an all school like yeah an all school meeting for worship um yeah so we had that and then we had bible study which i did not like as much as the meeting for worship. so you did have to do that yeah we did bible as well okay all right yeah i wasn't i'm never sure how yeah how secular 
just because this group runs it, sometimes I think. Yeah. I mean, have I ever happened across a school where it's been run by a religious group, but there hasn't been any element of that religion showing up? I guess I don't think I have. It certainly wasn't. Why a, do I keep waiting for that? It wasn't a heavy hand on the religion. I'll say yeah. that. Also, yeah. the, I mean, there's the numbers of Quakers are pretty low, I think. So there weren't like the percentage of the student body that was Quaker was pretty low. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I really developed an appreciation for it and. Um, my wife and I last year went to a Quaker meeting in Pasadena. She found one oh, and wow. we went to a meeting there and that was the first time I had been in like decades and it yeah. felt, it felt good. Oh, aside from during the pandemic, George school did a, a zoom meeting from the meeting house. So like even just seeing oh, that view on yeah. zoom in like the worst of pandemic times oh. was instantly calming. And oh, I felt like lovely. I was back in Pennsylvania and yeah, it was really yeah. nice. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And also the fact that it was boarding and day school. is Was there a dynamic that would rise out of that? Like were day school kids, like was there any sort of, I mean, again, I'm not trying to turn this into like this like school ties movie or whatever. <laughs> I'm just, but I'm just curious because it's obviously a different experience boarding and living away from home um, and the relationships that you might forge in that context versus going back home every day and coming in like did you have friends from both groups and were you ever envious like oh they live here like they have things happen that I'm not a part of because I go home to my house and they stay here yeah for sure I think the one of which was like after school hours people getting together in the dorm and watching Tiny Toons I was really Aww. I was really envious yeah. of that it's like I want to stay sure. and watch Tiny Toons exactly um but also the cool kids would go, there were like a few, actually a lot of kids, I think, from New York, which was maybe like an hour and a half train ride away. Yeah. So like easy to get to on the weekends. And like cool kids would go to New York for weekends and like go to parties in the city and stuff. Uh -huh. I wasn't really invited to most of those. Uh -huh. So that was a big point of envy for me. Of like, yeah. I want to go to the cool New York City parties. Yeah. But we had some and good we had some good like parties in a field in Pennsylvania too. Nice. Later later parties on in, in high field. school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what does that look like? Parties in a field. Um like there were a lot of uh there was like a lot of like farmland around where where I grew up. So yeah, just like a <laughs> like a bunch of people gathered in a field like smoking and drinking and stuff. And that but most of them were like really people's backyards that I remember. Yeah. Um definitely remember like trying to smoke cigarettes and coughing because I hated smoking cigarettes. Um, yeah. Definitely preferred smoking weed with a good friend of mine who introduced that to me in high school and listening to records with him. Um, that, those were like... It would be funny if you're like, we used to take out the portable record <laughs> yeah. put it in a field <laughs> <Yep>. as you <laughs> do, yep. smoke some weed. No, I do remember some uh, some good like suburban drug deal handoffs of like him pulling up and like you know putting down oh, the yeah. window and a guy uh -huh. like handing weed out the window <laughs> some cash the good uh -huh. the good the good old days of the sub the subterfuge of illegal drugs yeah, yeah. The surreptitious handshake mm -hmm. maybe something changes hands <laughs> and what what about crushes and stuff i mean you've described a yourself lot, over Janet. and over as yeah. a lot of crushes <laughs> 
as being small. Yes. Which I feel like that goes hand in hand a lot yep. uh, when, when kids are growing up at, with like, well, I was not huge, so <laughs> I was like not necessarily viewed in that way for a minute. Mm-hmm. Is that what that was like for you? Definitely that. Um, and I think also, I mean, I've always throughout my life had a lot of close female friendships. Um, and then, yeah, for some of those, it was more, it did shift more into into crushes on girls. Um, in high school, I remember my dad would uh, lend me his convertible sometimes. So I could, uh, I did go out on like a couple dates of taking girls to the movies in a convertible, which Woo-woo. was pretty cool, Mm-mm. pretty cool yeah. for the time. Yeah. Um, but I remember picking really bad movies for dates. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Especially this um, girl who I did have a crush on who uh, I wanted to go to the prom with took her to see The Piano, which is not not a good date movie at all. That's a rough choice. (laughs) Like probably any Jane Campion thing Uh. is like you're not. You're not setting yourself up for... Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that movie destroyed me. It's uncomfortable, sad, weird, hard. The music is very emotional and beautiful. I mean, I loved it uh, when I saw it, but I yeah, it was definitely the last thing I would ever want to see on a Yeah, date. not a good date movie. And <laughs> then sure. in college, I remember taking a woman to go see Dead Man Walking. Also a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Also a super bad idea. Yeah, but that was kind of a setup and I wasn't as into her. So maybe that was, uh-huh. uh, you know, I was maybe sabotaging that on purpose. I Maybe you were. Maybe you were. <laughs> um, yeah, I I look back on those times and I, I just think, again, I was on the other side for sure of having crushes on friends. And... But you spend less time blaming those people. Like, I don't, because I don't, I I hold nothing against friends that I had crushes on who weren't interested in me. Um, so the only, so the only way for that to go really for me in terms of nostalgia is just to feel bad about the times that I was on the other side. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I don't begrudge. Like, you didn't like me. That was cool. Like, I felt tortured over it. But I would never blame you for that, you know. But when, but looking back and feeling like you caused that for someone else, like, I can't. It's that whole you can't apply the same logic that you apply. You're like, well, right. why would you be mad at yourself if you're not mad at that person that did that to you, did that quote unquote to you? Mm-hmm. But, did you, um, like me, uh, listen to Bonnie Raitt's I Can't Make You Love Me over and over again uh, at, like, I mean, 14 years old? <laughs> However, a, that's old. a really good one. That's a really, really good that one. That was my coping strategy oh, with the unrequited, unrequited crushes. I'm it. so excited. I'm going to see her at the Greek next month. Ooh, that'll be really with, fun. With um, I texted our old coworker Lucy, who I remembered yeah. from HuffPost Live, was a big Bonnie Raitt fan as well. So she's going to be there also. So oh my gosh, I haven't that's seen so her cool. in ages. So we will reunite yeah. at the Bonnie Raitt concert. Oh man, tell her I said hello. I will. Um. Yeah, I I just I that I think about that and like I had one friend in particular who I just he what he was he was like my best friend for a while and we spent all of our time together and you know we had all the inside jokes and I just adored him and then at some point you know became he made it known that he you know that he really cared about me and um and then we and then that was really hard for both of us and then you know we sort of then we kind of weren't friends anymore. Um, and uh, and it's so it's so hard because you feel like 
you've had this relationship torn away from you that neither one of you wanted to be over. It's just that it couldn't continue the way it was. And you, I think as a young person, like it's hard to know where to put that grief. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a different grief than, you know, my friend doesn't like me anymore and they're just gone or my friend moved away or, you know, it, it, or a breakup if you're actually sort of like going out, whatever that means when you're, you know, uh, in junior high and high school. But, um, but that kind of, it feels like very grown up Mm -hmm. in a way that maybe you're not ready for to be like, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm going to still see you at school, but I can no longer um, hang out with you. Um, but not because I don't like you. Yeah. Like it's just, that's a hard and sort of ambiguous thing to get past. That is rough. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And also like how hard it is. Like, of course it's, what a wonderful way into a real meaningful relationship being with somebody where the nervousness isn't there because you've just been friends. And at some point, if you start feeling attracted to that person, like you've already done all of this work. It's (laughs) it's wonderful. Do you know? And, and then to not have that go anywhere to feel like, but don't you see? Don't you see? <laughs> We're ready for this. Yeah. And the other person's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that is so hard. Yeah. And you're trapped if it's school. Do you know what I mean? Like it's right. different than, I mean, even as an adult, it's just different because the way we live our lives tends to be different than like, well, I'll see you in third period. Right. Like, I always have to. It would be no like matter, confessing no matter what's going on with us. something to somebody that you work with. Yeah. Of like, yeah. oh, I'm seeing you at work. So in general, not a good idea unless you're really sure that's going to go great. <laughs> unless you are positive or you're ready to leave. Yes. <laughs> ready to ready blow, to blow it all leave. up. Uh-huh. Was there theater and stuff at um, the Shaker School? God, why don't you say Shaker? <laughs> at the Quaker School? I mean, I know Quaker schools, right? I can't get. Oh, I, I keep thinking about Shaker furniture. I've got to stop. It's this. good furniture. I and you're I a furniture enthusiast, Janet. That so is why I don't I think. Hold every it time I think. You. Yeah, every time I think Quaker, I think Shaker style. Yeah. That's very bad. Um, there was musical theater there too. Yeah, um, I didn't. You know, I didn't hit my previous heights of uh, Peter Pan. But uh-huh. what was I in? Um, How could you? Some Gilbert and Sullivan stuff. I did the sure. the uh, major general. I was the major general in Pirates of Penzance. That's a, I would brag about that all the time. It was if pretty. I were you. It was pretty fun. That's a very very fun show. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, we would do like musical reviews, like a Irving Berlin review, and I like that. Stuff like I liked that. in musical theater. I really liked the sort of cobbled together. You know. Like, I remember we did a show in junior high called Sentimental Journey, where it was like songs and dances from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And um, I I just love that because it really was. It was like, oh, everyone gets a chance to do something. It's not like there's the lead and then everybody else gets to kind of show up and do some background stuff. Yeah. It's a great way to get more kids involved, you know? Yeah, I loved that. Um, But yeah, it was it was fun. And then, oh, I was in an acapella group as well. Um, another, another, uh, traumatic, uh, story no. of puberty. It's definitely not as bad as kids throwing pennies oh, at me. Don't worry. Um, throwing pennies. <laughs> it doesn't, oh, it doesn't so get worse than that. I'm so mad. This was, um, oh. a lot lower stakes, which was, uh, the, our acapella group. We were singing the lion sleeps tonight at the Quaker meeting house for, I don't know, some kind of Christmas <laughs> performance. And it was like right as my voice was starting to change. And I was singing soprano (laughs) at the time. And by the end of the song, I was singing tenor, (laughs) 
with a lot of cracking along the way. <laughs> That's so crazy. I would pay a thousand dollars to see that performance. <laughs> so glad there's no video tape uh. proof of that. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Dr. Sydney McElroy. That, that is true. It's important in this context because we host a medical history podcast called Sawbones. Oh, I thought we were going to. We shouldn't work on that. Sawbones. Sawbones isn't afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions. Like, are vaccines as safe and reliable as they want us to believe? Yes. Do I have to get a flu shot? Yes. Uh, okay. Is science a miracle? No. We have a lot of great history for you and a lot of laughs. And sometimes the history is so bad that there's no laughs. But you'll learn something. You'll feel something. And it's always Sawbones. That's right. Every week on MaximumFun.org. I guess I should start getting into the Smash game so we have we know we have plenty of time um, to complete it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Oh, wait, one quick it. diversion oh. before we get into oh, yeah. that, Di- Janet, div- that divert, I wanted to divert. talk to you about. Because I feel like with you with the podcast and with me with um, having worked on this show Big Mouth for the last Mouth, like six yeah. years. That oh, it's just all teen that all the time. Both of us have kind of lived in this era more than, more than yes. your average person. Yes. Um, Absolutely. And I think, you know, as a fan of your podcast, I going into the job working on Big Mouth kind of already had an appreciation for how much these moments of this time of life still impact us as adults. Like, yes, it's crazy. And I think people like on a day to day basis, you know, don't really think about that or grapple with that that much. But certainly through the show. I feel like we have on Big Mouth and and you oh, with JV Club, like every yeah. guest that you've had, like there are these huge moments that still impact people's absolutely. lives today. Absolutely. And I do I do feel like there's there's precious few people that if you needed to have a random conversation with someone about something to get a sense of them quickly, um, that's like a surefire way in. Right. You know? Because it's far enough away, but it's also like this place where you just can access those feelings so quickly. Yeah. Um, and and I know that's something that people love about Big Mouth mm-hmm. is like just yeah, have, feeling the vulnerability of it, but also just like the insanity of it and the funniness of it, and it's so good. Yeah. Do you find yourself like kind of being more occupied with your own memories of that time in your life because of? what you do with the podcast? That's a, that's a really great question. Um, I don't know because I've been doing this for so long right. now. I'm not sure what how much of it wouldn't be there yeah. if I weren't doing this. That's a really interesting, dare I say, sliding doors question. Again, <laughs> a movie that no one saw at the time. But boy, has that analogy and that reference stood the test of time. Yeah. Um, there's got to be another movie. <laughs> no, that it's came just before that. It's just sliding doors. <laughs> I guess it's just. Well, now it's one. all multiverses. Multiverses That's have true. replaced the sliding doors. 
That's true, which works very well for me because, you know, with all of these MASH multiverses that I've helped create, um, it's a very dense universe and series (laughs) of universes out there with just the MASH realities alone that are being lived out. I've been stalling for time because I'm terrified of my MASH. I feel there's there's so much riding on it. There's a lot riding on it. you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready for it, A lot. Let (laughs) me say again, a lot riding on this. Um, well, let me, th- I'll, I'll pitch you a softball first. Let's start with our foods. Let's start with three foods that you can have. Snap of your fingers. Nothing bad happens to the planet or you by consuming them. Great. Um, well, I'm vegetarian. I've been vegetarian since I was 13. I made a New Year's resolution and have stuck to it for however many, 32 years, 30, whatever. Oh, a lot of years. Um, <laughs> more than that. Um, so I'm sticking with my veggie things. Pizza. Great. Yes. Of course. Number one. Oh, hoagies. That's what Great. that's what we call sub sandwiches in the Philadelphia area. Yeah, you do. Um and a third. Is it did you say three? Yeah. Um three. and uh pasta alla norma. It's a pasta Ooh. that I had in Italy recently with like chunks of fried eggplant in it really good oh wow oh that really good, so good stuff eggplant is great i love it and eggplant is something i never thinking about making anything with like that is not a thing that i bring home and make something it's with. hard it's like feels very yeah it feels very exotic and it feels like i need to go somewhere that knows what they're doing with an eggplant I and then eggplant the is delicious yeah. oh you're making me crave it okay <laughs> eggplant gotta put that on the roster yeah um okay next one let's do I mean, I got to do it. Three musicals oh, from any wow. era. You get to play whatever role you want. It's uh, don't worry about, you know, uh, I guess age or gender or whatever. If there's something that really calls to you, um, three roles that you're going to be able to play and you'll be br- brilliant. So don't worry about, you know, quality. That's <laughs> just a, a foregone conclusion. It's going to be brilliant. Great, great. Um I think one of my favorites is a chorus line, even though now I can't remember any character's name in it. But uh-huh, let's just uh-huh. say one of the one of the chorus one, <laughs> cor- <laughs> one of the chorus line people. Okay. Um, what else? Um, I'm trying to remember ones where I could know who. You know what, Peter uh-huh. Pan. We'll do another. Uh, yeah. A, a, Take another uh, pass at that. Yep. Everybody wants to see a male, middle-aged <laughs> Peter Pan <laughs> reprise his performance. Um, and what other musicals? Um, I liked uh, Guys and Dolls a lot. That's a movie musical, but I'm throwing that in there. Um, Great. Because there's a family connection there. My great uncle was a choreographer and did that movie, so... I have a. I love that. I have a soft spot Which, by the for way, that in my yeah. heart. Yeah, we have to have some, at some point we have to have a conversation with Brandon because there's something in his family where it's like this person wrote the sheet music, but not the lyrics to this one specific musical. Like there's some that's cool specific. I'm gonna have to ask him what it was because it's definitely Guys and Dolls era. Um, okay, third one. All due respect to your amazing wife, who truly is amazing, Lin Chen. Uh, in fact, I would say plug some of Lynn's stuff, too, when we um, get into the plugs, uh, because she's so wonderful. I've had her on the podcast before, but it's been several years. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I, I listen, all due respect, but I do need three people you'd like to have some romance or sexy times with in this alternate universe. Um, well, 
I'm thinking like I'm already back in time of like these formative crushes from uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, from long ago. So yep. I'm thinking of like 80s formative crushes. Uh-huh. Um, Love it. Phoebe Cates, of course. Absolutely. But like from Gremlins, that's my formative uh-huh. crush time. Great. Um, Marissa Tomei. Great. Who, by the way, just every bit is fantastic She's, and adorable and sexy awesome. and great and funny and as ever. Yeah. What a, Agreed. I was going to say, what a dish. That's so disrespectful, <laughs> but I mean it in like the most complimentary I mean, facts are facts, Janet. She's a dish. <laughs> <sighs> um, another formative crush who I was thinking about, uh, like kind of movies of that era again back to the 80s time summer school with mark Harmon. are you familiar oh, with yeah. that movie uh possibly too familiar <laughs> i loved that movie um courtney thorn smith yeah, is that courtney her name from that yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that uh, that was a real i think the dynamic of a teenage a teenager, either male or female, and a teacher, either male or female. Yes. And, like, the f- a flirtation and longing was, like, so kind of, like, oh, my, you know? And there's there's something really delicious about it. Yes. I'm um, so sorry to do another diversion, Janet, but this uh-huh. just no, reminded no, please, me, please. because of that dynamic, that in the other, at the junior-senior high school, the 7th to 12th grade one, my, mm-hmm. I think, 8th grade English teacher... Um, kids had found out that she had been in Playboy. Oh no! Yep, that is the most somehow pre-internet. Thing you could ever I don't know tell. how they even found out. Someone must have found their dad's oh, Playboy, whatever Lord. it was. Yeah. Um. Wow. And she's a fabulous English teacher as well. Oh, and how was that ever? So something yeah, real that <laughs> summer she, school time. She did she know that you all knew? I mean, it would get back to her, I guess right? I mean, so yeah. But, like, know. what do you do with that? Right. I mean, what is she going to do? Make an announcement yeah. to each class? Like, <laughs> nope. F- FYI, if you didn't already know I was in Playboy, yep. let's get this out of the way. I'm going to flip out the picture. Yep. Like, So, yes, uh, as a, that? a... Oh, uh, that's very good. A youngster, you then pay extra attention in English class. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I love English class no matter what, but... <laughs> you want to throw in a salacious rumor like that? You're golden. Yep. Uh, okay, uh, next one. Let's do three uh, alternate careers that you mm. get to dabble in in this alternate universe. Um, let's see. Alternate careers. And by the way, I did expect you to say Jennifer Connelly in Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. But that didn't happen. That I mean, definitely up there for Honorable sure. Honorable mention. Yes. Um, alternate careers Let's see. Uh, why can't I think of it? Well, um, uh, I'll be in the NBA. Why not? Great. Yeah. Be a Damn straight. Point guard. Um, and uh, this is so hard. <laughs> I had I'm, no idea this is going to be so stressful. It's, I, I'm, so, I'm so stressed with the alternate careers. Um and oh my god, I, I can't think of anything. I'm I, now. You I want to get in here. You're and in edit, your dream and job. Edit it out. Um, well, guess what? We absolutely will do that. You're gonna seem like you came up with it. <laughs> Each one, sn- just in a snap. Good. You just knew. Thank you. Yep. Um What? Uh, what's something where you travel a lot? 
I mean, yeah, like you'd be like a, a travel, travel writer. There we go. Thank be, you. A travel uh, writer. Yeah. Perfect. You'd be a great travel writer. Are you kidding me? Okay, give me a third one, Janet. I'm freezing under the pressure. What's another? <laughs> well, I mean, I know you're a filmmaker, but like, it would like if you had a if you had like unlimited budget and time to like be a documentarian or to make features all the time. Oh, like, for is sure. That something that you would want to absolutely. Yeah. That's a very yes grounded, realistic dream job for me. Okay, just like NBA point guard. Yes, um, <laughs> equal. Equal chance <laughs> equal. of both of those things equal. happening. Yeah. Uh, three movies you can jump into and just be in. You're not reliving the plot. You're just in that world. Um, again, I'm going to go back to please formative please. era of um, like 1989 era great. movies. Um, a great movie year when I was 13. It was a great movie year. 13. It's like perfect. I looked at Ugh. that list recently. Yeah. All these things stunning. that came out. That I saw in the theater at 13. It's stunning. It really is. Um, Bill and Ted. Great. <laughs> That's that era. Hell yeah. Um, Dazed and Confused. Not the same Great. year, but uh, again, throwback era. Great. Um, Indiana Jones. Uh, Temple of Doom or... Uh, well, let's go with the 89, uh, the, the Last Crusade. Because yeah. they go to Venice, oh. so you know, I'd, oh, yeah. I'd go just to the Venice. God, eighty nine Venice is last crusade. Yeah. Are you shitting me right now? So many good things that I cannot believe that was that long ago. Wow, that's shocking. Okay, that's very very shocking. <laughs> um, three places in the world you'd love to have uh, another home, and uh, we can teleport you there. Great. Um, this one I'm more prepared for than the Great. other cruise. Kauai. Great. Great. Uh, Sicily, where I was recently, a friend invited me on a trip there. I went for the first time. Loved it. I've never been. I'd great. love to it go. It was great. That's where I had that pasta dish. So hopefully those two will align. We'll yeah, see. Um, and, oh, I said I was prepared. Now look at me. Falling down on the third one. You're fine. Um, another home. Um, uh... like, a. I, I guess I really like islands, like a, one of those islands off of Seattle. Like right. Pacific Northwest Island Like a somewhere. Puget Sound kind of uh, Orca. I'm going to put you at Orcas Island because that's my dad's favorite place in the whole world. Love it. Orcas Island. Great. Okay. Um, next category is three bands that will play for you. Like, the, like basically they're composing. And you know, it doesn't even have to be bands. Let's do the, that's, I, I definitely want to hear your answer to the soundtrack of Abe's life. Like mm. someone, someone, some composer or musician, band, whatever, living or dead, um, is going to create, continuously create like new music for you to sort of experience being you mm. uh, with whenever you want. That's fun. Of course, also like brings me back to high school times. Great. Focus on those bands. Uh, Beastie Boys. Great. Tribe Called. Oh my God. Tribe Called Quest. I <laughs> would love to hear <laughs> the Beastie Boys describing. <laughs> Ride it down, Beverly on my bike. Okay. Uh, that's my internal. That's my internal monologue, Janet. You just did it verbatim every day. That's satisfying. <laughs> so satisfying. Um, okay, yes, I will. Sorry, Brandon, I just want to make sure I'd be done by 1.30 because he has to record a meeting. Okay, we're almost um, there. We're almost there. We're almost there. We're so close. Uh, okay, uh, Tribe Called Quest yep. and what's the last one? This is very hip-hop heavy. Um, and um, who else? 
my soundtrack. Um, oh my god, it's so it's so hard. It, they're they're all stumper yeah. questions, Janet. Yeah. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> What I do. This is the this is that hard hitting journalism you were talking about yeah, from hu- from, from HuffPost Live. Got it from HuffPo. Um, oh my gosh. Let's see. Uh, uh, let's let's quiet it down a little. Mm-hmm. A, a little more contemplative, introspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul Simon. Great, 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 great. Okay. Final category. Uh, oh boy. I guess I gotta just go ahead and come up with something because I know that Brandon needs the Zoom. Um, (laughs) What do I want to do for you for the final one? I guess like I have like eight different things swimming in my head right now that I kind of wish that I had asked before now because they're really fun categories and I would love to hear your answers. I guess I can just ask you in life, in our friendship, we can play MASH whenever we want (laughs) so I can just take this pressure right back off myself. If you could... Uh, you know what? I would love to hear what you would uh, see in time if you could if you could travel back or forward in time. Um, good luck with the forward part, but uh, <laughs> and, and in fact, I'm more interested to hear what you'd be interested in witnessing, seeing, experiencing in a safety bubble um, from the past. Mm. I don't because I genuinely don't know what what your answer would be. Yeah, um, I think I'm like interested in like kind of my parents childhood era of the 50s of like seeing seeing what that was like like my grandfather has some really cool home movies that he filmed and like seeing that stuff is amazing really yeah seems like another era i don't know there i feel like it's a lot of like family-based things and like maybe like new york city there's absolutely nothing wrong with that new york city and like the uh in like the 20s would be yeah. cool to see like oh, my, yeah. my great hundred my grandfather great grandfather absolutely you're the great the great grandparents you're um yeah. and uh i'll do a a future one too of like just curious to see you know yeah like but how far you want to go i think like how far, how far in where i wouldn't be around anymore let's say uh the 20 I don't know 20 like uh, like 100 years from there now? we go let's do that uh-huh. I want right. to see now neither one of us had to do any math perfect that's how that works yeah um uh give me a word that is a word you could help uh describe your mood this morning when you woke up um anticipatory how dare you this is <laughs> gonna be really hard and oh that's i didn't know that was the number word i wouldn't have i wouldn't have I'm, done it i'm like i'm that. i'm up Janet. for it i'm, I'm gonna so do it so sorry. fast uh no i'm i appreciate the challenge <laughs> How about um, glad will you will you please tell people about i guess i can i can they can they follow um what you've been doing with brother orange yet because i don't want to like go and launch into a whole side thing oh yeah um but uh but anyway all the things any of the things tell people where they can find you what they should be checking i don't out have much of a presence on any of the things these days but yes i i have been working for for a long time on this documentary called Brother Orange, which you could just look up that phrase and find the whole saga online, which my friend Matt Stapera wrote beautifully about um, this trip that we took to China in 2015. Um, and it's an amazing story, y'all. It's, you need to you need to look. That's great. And then some like short docs that I did a, a while ago are on my website, filmingdocs.com. Yeah. 
And then Lynn's, please. Oh, yeah. Lynn's. And and uh, my wife, Lynn, she and I, I worked on a movie, her directorial debut that came out in 2020. That was at South by Southwest. That's called I Will Make You Mine. Um, that features two super talented musicians playing fictional versions of themselves and um, is the third in a trilogy of these uh, beautifully observed music movies. So that was a huge challenge to work on with her, but also very, very rewarding. And I'm very proud of everything that she did with that, with that movie. So check it out. I will make you mine. Wonderful. That's on a lot of the various platforms, all the streamers. I am so sorry that was the word that I gave you for a number, (laughs) Janet. I was not thinking. Uh, uh, I'm into it. I like a challenge. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm so close. Oh, yeah. And watch Big Mouth and our uh, our, uh, spinoff series, Human Resources. Those are on Netflix. Human Resources, everybody. Great. Okay, uh, I am. I'm pleased. What I am not pleased about is I cannot tell you that you ended up with Pasta alla Norma in Sicily. Instead, you ended up with a gorgeous apartment um, on Orcas Island, uh, in which you can eat unlimited pizza forever. Mm. Uh, I feel like you're going to be just fine. Yes, um, that's great. Plus, you're also a travel writer. So anytime you want to go to Sicily, any that you have like a free pass. Perfect. So you're fine on that front as well. Um, I am very excited for your performance in Guys and Dolls. (laughs) Uh, I am probably more excited about the fact that you can jump into Bill and Ted whenever you want. Oh, wow. And have a soundtrack by the Beastie Boys. I feel like those two That's things great. are like catch, capturing some of the best of, of an era. And uh, very excited to find out more about that. And also very excited that you can jump into the future in 100 years and see what all that's going to be about. I hope that you don't come back with white hair, like just immediately turns your hair white. I hope that you come back um, super excited and so thrilled for where we're going. Uh, And then uh, all of this is happening with somebody I can very much imagine sitting, drinking some beautiful hot coffee as you stare out the back uh, porch of your apartment, looking out into Orcas Island, taking a big pie to pizza. Who better than girl next door, Courtney Thornton? (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Uh, My dear, dear friend, I adore you. I love you. It's so good to see you. I'm so glad we did this. And um, I want everybody to check out all the things and know that uh, you just experienced a conversation with one of my favorite high quality human beings of all time. Oh, thank you, Janet. Right. Would you like to sing a snippet of Boys of Summer by Don Henley? (laughs) Well, first I want to, I'll stall on that one too. I want to return the compliment and say that I love and adore you also. I'm so glad to have you in my life and our salon group, which I said is one of my favorite things. So thank you. Thanks for, thanks for, for doing this. Okay. Can we do it? Can we sing together? I'd feel, yes, I'd feel Uh, uh, for you. Yes. More comfortable. Uh, Where do we, where do we begin? begin? You want to do like the chorus? Like I can sing. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Okay. And feel free to start in soprano and move down to tenor (laughs) by the end. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm ready. And one, two, three. I can, I can see, see you. you. Your brown, brown skin shining, shining in the sun. In the sun. You, you got, got your hair pulled back. Pulled back. Yeah, yeah. 
Wayfarer's son, baby, <laughs> and they are sunglasses. <laughs> I can tell you, my love for you will still be strong after the boys of summer have gone. <laughs> Yay! And our acapella group will be performing. Catch us. I will send something on social media. All right. I'm going to surrender this uh, this Zoom to Brandon. Enjoy, and, Brandon. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for lending me Janet for bye, a bit. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye. And everybody else, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees or lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported